And it's my pleasure, really, to introduce to all of you my friend, I get to call him a friend, and an exceptional father and worship pastor, from what I know, Ben Moore, who is going to share with us from God's Word this morning. Uh, he lives with his family in Scotts Valley, California, and uh, with us today are his wife, Kirsten, and his three beautiful kids, and we are so happy that they were able to come this and be with us this morning. Um, pastor Ben was till very recently an elder and a worship pastor at Garden City Church in San Jose, uh, but since he has stepped down from that role in order to spend more time with his family, uh, a growing family, <laughs> and he continues to serve churches uh, by, uh, by helping them enrich their worship service and also by guest bridging, like he's going to do today <laughs> at Renewal. And another exciting project he recently told me about that he's engaged in is a true expression of his passion called the Singing Church, where I'm told he's working at finding ways to make singing, singing an important part of congregational worship. But I think he will tell you better than me what that is all about. And that's why I'm excited to hear from him today, because I'm also told that he's going to speak to us about that very topic. So without further ado, let me invite Pastor Ben Moore up to the stage to preach to us from God's precious words. Okay, all right, mic is on, we're hot, let's go. Hey, good to be with you guys. Man, such an honor to be with you. Um, I've enjoyed knowing Rejo over the last couple years, and it was awesome, I got to meet Pastor Ulysses um, a few weeks ago. Just thrilled to be with you and so encouraged by you and what God is doing here. And I pray, man, I pray that this can be an encouragement to you and how God is bringing about his kingdom, glorifying himself and bringing others into his eternal family. So I pray that he uses you in such a mighty way. I was talking to, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 96, by the way. So if you want to go ahead and start turning in your Bibles to Psalm 96, we're actually going to be all over the Bible. <laughs> but this is going to kind of be our foundation and where we're going to launch from. I was talking to Pastor Ulysses, and we were talking about what, what should we? What do you want me to? What do you want me to preach on? And he's like, "Well, what, do you, you know, what are you excited about? Is there anything God putting on your heart?" And I was like, "Well, I'm unfortunately passionate about a lot of things. That this and this and this and this and this. And singing was one of those." And he's like, "How about that? That'd be great to talk about singing." So here we go. Whether you like it or not, I would imagine. In this room, if we want to think about a bell curve that we've got on this side of the curve and the sloping downside, a, a group of people that are like, oh, I love singing. It's just the best. I can't wait. I imagine that's probably one of the minorities. And then on the other side of the curve is like, please, God, don't talk about singing. I hate it so much. That's probably another minority. And then probably most of you are in this biggest side of the curve. It's like, eh, it's fine. Take it or leave it. I like to sing stuff that I like. And don't like to sing stuff that I don't. And so hopefully uh, this will encourage you today. Psalm 96 verses 1 and 2. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. This is the word of the Lord. I'm excited to talk about it today. Um, that verse, especially that section, sing to the Lord all the earth, is a great passion of mine. Um, and one of the reasons is, maybe you've heard the quote, the old John Piper quote, that mission um, exists because worship does not. 
And I think singing is so important to the church. One, it helps uh, change us, look more like our Creator, who is a singing God. And it also is evangelistic. And if all the earth would sing to the Lord, then that shows that more and more people are coming to faith in Christ. So sing to the Lord, all the earth. Oh man, I want to see that happen. And may he start with us. And may that spread on. Okay. Uh, I've spent most of my life professionally (laughs) leading churches and singing, which is a really strange career. Uh, to do. Like, it's a weird thing that I'm, I'm here leading music. I mean, a lot of you are, I, I don't know what you do, but you're probably teachers and engineers and maybe students and all kinds of things. But I, I do music. I did music for a living, which is a really weird thing and a, and a real privilege, to be honest with you, but trying to encourage people to sing. And Rejo mentioned, I, I'm working on this project called The Singing Church, where I want to say that Singing is actually a spiritual discipline for a follower of Jesus and trying to elevate to that to the sense of we need this as a part of our spiritual diet if we want to look more like Jesus. And so uh, I'm going to give a very small version of what I want to accomplish with that endeavor. If you want to hear more, I'd love to hear from you as I'm looking at trying to get this thing going. Okay, Um, a little bit of background. I grew up in a musical family. My mother, she was a piano and vocal performance major. Um, I'm an agriculture major, which is strange. Uh, But music just really came easy to me. And some of you know how that feels. Like it's (laughs) whenever someone's like, I can't sing a harmony, that doesn't register to me. I don't know how people can't sing harmonies. It just seems so easy. But I grew up in a musical family. And um, I remember whenever I was a little boy attending a church service with my grandmother. And sitting next to me uh, was a family friend of ours. His name was Harmon. And Harmon used to play college football. He was an offensive lineman and a massive, massive dude. Over six foot, well over 300 pounds, just a giant of a human. And me as a little boy sitting next to him is just dwarfed, right? And I remember as a little boy, we were in the time of singing, and he was taking that enormous frame, (gasps) filling it with oxygen, and pouring out a terrible sound. It, It sounded awful, awful, awful. I don't necessarily remember if I said anything and if I did what I did, but he must have noticed somehow caught me in his periphery because he stopped singing (laughs) and he knelt down to get eye level with me. And he said, you have no idea what I've been set free from. And that made such a profound impact on me. I'm a, I'm a pretty pragmatic guy. So if you don't sing good, why are you singing? And here was Harmon just going for broke. And his singing to Jesus would really shape the way that I would hope to lead others to sing to Jesus. If you are a disciple of Jesus, that is a person who wants to follow and be like him, then the psalmist's call to sing, that's for you. You are called to sing. Just as we're called to go and make disciples, just as we're called to pray, just as we're called to, in all of these ways, look like Jesus, you are called to sing. There is no exception, all right? And I want to talk to you today about congregational singing. We're going to talk about what it is, we're going to talk about why it's important, and we're going to talk about how maybe we can grow in it, okay? Sound all right? 
You sure? Just checking. All right. Here we go. Congregational singing. Let's talk about what it is, but maybe first let's talk about what it is not. Helpful? All right. What it isn't. So notice I used the phrase congregational singing. What's a phrase that I didn't use? Praise, praise and worship, maybe. That might be some, the, the vernacular that we would choose to use. If, um, as my dad would say, if you're evangelically house-trained, you probably might use the word praise and worship. All right, But I'm not talking about that. Um, and the reason why, I'm glad you asked, is because in the scriptures, those two words don't always mean singing, all right? In fact, whenever I was a kid, whenever I thought about praise, I thought that was the fast stuff and worship was the slow stuff. That's not true according to the scriptures. That's not how it works, all right? Um, Let's talk about that a little bit. Praise. What an awesome word. And by the way, these two words and the way that they work themselves out, a lot of them are very human experiences. And so as you talk to your non-believing friends or family, a lot of the things that are involved within praise and worship, the actual act of doing them, are very human things that we interact with. So let's talk about praise. Praise is an awesome word shown over 150 times in the scriptures. Um, Now, as we understand it, when you praise something, or maybe when you receive praise, what is that like? It's probably the time of year where you're getting end of year reviews, right? Or maybe giving them. Does your supervisor ever say, Kim, you met your quota this year. You did a great job, and it gave us a great quarter. Way to go. That would be something else. (laughs) You need to write a review about that workplace. Maybe a lot of people would want to work there, but that's probably not how you would receive praise. Also, like if my kids, I've got three kids, if they're doing their homework and they do a great job, I don't go, Joe, I am so proud of you today. I know division is hard, but you're doing a great job. Keep it up. I don't do that. I just tell him, right? And, and it's more about the intent, right, than the delivery. The intent of praise is to lift up the person who's receiving it, all right? To lift them up with, with truth, really. And the way that that's done is so important. If we just, uh, if I say, Joe, I'm proud of you. You did a great job. All right, I, I may, you know, by, you know, by definition be praising, but I, I'm not really getting in the spirit of it. My countenance is involved. My vocal inflection is involved because it is important to me for the recipient to believe what I'm saying, to be lifted up. And I pray that that would actually inform our singing. Singing can be praise, but it's not always. But the way that we do it, man, that should be, man, that should, that should inform how we sing. It should be full of our whole selves lifting up the Lord. All right? Now, let's look at that word worship. We often think about that as music, right? For a very long time, my job title was worship pastor. All right? If you've been a follower of Jesus for a long period of time, you're prob- you probably know that that doesn't mean singing and singing only, that it's rather an umbrella that covers a very large span of how we uh, live our lives, right? I wasn't the pastor of that large span. To be honest with you, I was in charge of the music. That's what I did. Um, but that's how we often define it. And maybe that's not helpful. And it might not be helpful in the sense if you say, I didn't really like the worship today. What did you mean by that? Or worship's really not my thing. 
It might be. What do you mean by that? So this is really, I'm going through this to maybe be a helpful diagnostic for us to see what's really going on. Okay, Worship sometimes, again, refers directly to singing. Uh, there was a local pastor who did some research and found that whenever you translate the Hebrew word that we now get as English as worship, actually about 2% of all the times that it's used does it refer specifically to singing. All the other times it's, it could be, but not necessarily. All right, Only 2%, that's, that's it. That's it. Now, I don't say that because uh, that makes singing less. That's not true at all. In fact, it just makes worship more. <laughs> it makes it more important. It's all that we do. Singing is, is, is hugely important in the Scriptures. It's one of the most repeated commands in the Scriptures, like top five repeated so often to sing. Whenever we look at worship, one of the most common uh, translations, uh, both in the Greek and Hebrew, is this idea of, of bowing down. All right? and, and I mean that in a very physical sense. Like There are cultures that when you greet someone, you get low. You physically move your body in order to honor, humble yourself and honor that other person. That is worship. All right? There's another definition of that, of, of service, of, of things that we do. So if, if I am serving, if I'm uh, uh, giving, if I'm uh, doing that for the benefit of something else and someone else, that is worship. Okay? You've, you've maybe heard a teacher say, we all worship something. Well, that's one of the ways in which we all worship. We're all serving something or someone. It's one of the ways that it's translated. Some things are very specific. There's this uh, Hebrew word, yada. It's this idea of giving thanks, and often it's with extended hands. It's a physical act, all right? And you might say, that feels weird for me to do in here, but I want to argue that that's actually a human experience. My six-year-old is in the room, and whenever he wins and shoots and ladders, he goes, yes! <laughs> okay? It's just something that we do, and that's something that can translate and work here too. So when you have something to celebrate, yada, you can lift your hands. There's another word, shabak, that's this idea of it's loud, it's just loud quality, it's the volume turned up, okay? It's not a whisper, it's not uh, a speaking level, it is loud, okay? Shout to the Lord, that is a very loud thing to do. There's this idea of halal, that's another Hebrew word, not to be confused with the Arabic halal, which means permissible or allowable. No, the Hebrew halal means something else, it means to boast, to go for broke, it's this big, big word of, of honoring someone else. Uh, it's where we get the word hallelujah from, all right? All those things are worship and could or couldn't <laughs> refer to singing, all right? I want to give us a consolidated meaning. If, if that's a big umbrella of what worship could be, I want to give us a consolidated meaning of what worship is going to be as I'm talking to you about it. It should be up here on the screen. Yep. Worship is submitting, surrendering, or giving of yourself in service of what you value or revere. Okay? As you think about that, absolutely think about that in terms of the Lord and how He works. Also, would you think of that definition as you think about your friends and family who do not yet follow Jesus? Do they do those things? Yeah. If you follow Jesus, do you do these things? Yes. Do they always have to be for Jesus? No, sometimes they're not. Okay, but that's the idea of the motivation behind our worship is we do it because we revere and honor the Lord. Are we tracking? Does that make sense? Yes? 
All right, good. All right, how can we worship? Oh my goodness, just about everything. There's, there are so many ways that we worship. Your whole life, that thing that you've heard is true. We can worship through just about everything and also singing, all right? That's why. So if you are following Jesus, you are worshiping. You didn't come here to worship. You are a worshiper, already worshiping, who also came to worship through singing worship. <laughs> and when you leave here, uh, you're going to continue worshiping. And what we didn't just stop worshiping. By the way, band, great job. You guys did awesome. Thank you for leading us. Yes, hurrah. Yes, honor that. That's great. We didn't pause worshiping, and now we're not. You are worshiping, all right? You're either engaging because you want God to transform your heart and mind, you're worshiping the Lord, and you're listening to the service of the Word, or you're worshiping, I don't know, your, your, uh, your comfort because you're tired and you're tuned out, all right? You are worshiping right now. Who are you worshiping? How are you worshiping? That's the question. Why am I making a big deal of this? Again, it's to help be a helpful diagnostic whenever we think about why we might not sing and why we should. You might say, I don't like worship. Uh, let's dig into that a little bit more. Okay, so it's not necessarily praise, not necessarily worship. kind of is both. It's also not just singing in general. And for that, I want to uh, defer to the theologian Buddy the Elf um, and Maybe would you take the part of Jovi and would you read this conversation that's very enlightening? Sounds like somebody needs to sing a Christmas carol. Mm. Well, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Come on. Oh, well, it's just like talking except louder and longer and you move your voice up and down. That's all singing is. <laughs> That's all singing is. And it is a common grace of God. Your friends do it. I mean, uh, kids do it. Singing is a great gift of God to us. Um, it, it, we, we do that to profess our love. There are so many great songs that profess like consternation. There are songs of rebellion. There are songs of unification. Um, I am, I am a 49ers fan, and we play the Philadelphia Eagles today, and I want to sing with other people, We Will, we will Rock You, okay? That's a song that unites us together, all right? I know you're a Philly guy, Rejo, so I hope you lose and are very disappointed today. <laughs> Singing's a gift, all right? It's just opening your mouth and speaking with melody. It's it. It's that simple. Um... But I'm not talking about a common grace either. I'm talking about congregational singing. Okay. So, what is it? I want to give us a working definition right here. Congregational singing is singing to or about the Lord with one another. In fact, could you say that out loud with me? It is singing to and about the Lord with one another. It's that simple. That's what congregational singing is. And we could get into the weeds, big time, of 
the, the, our whole heart and mind and strength and what that looks like, but I don't want to do that today. And honestly, I don't have time for that today. I'm going to get hangry really soon, and you need to do a lot of things for the rest of the day. So we're going to get really narrowed down here. And sometimes congregational singing talks about yada, what we just talked about, extending our hands. Sometimes it talks about shabak, it's this loud quality. Sometimes it's halal, this boasting uh, act. Sometimes it genuinely means like kneeling and bowing and getting low. Okay, sometimes it does involve those things, not necessarily all the time, but sometimes it does. Now, why don't we sing? And why is it important to sing? There are so many barriers, right? You can have a cultural barrier. We can have a technical barrier. You have all kinds. Um, We're not going to go into that. I just want to look at three barriers to why we might not sing. Okay, just three, and then we'll be done. Barrier number one is a barrier of preference. Preference can be a reason why we do not sing. It can look a lot of different ways. It can look like, like style preference. For instance, I don't know how many of you got um, from Spotify or Apple Music or whatever kind of music service you get your wrapped up, what you've listened to over the course of this year. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> oh, I'm so embarrassed. Uh, Unfortunately, I made uh, my streaming service available to my whole family, so my number one listen this year was uh, My Little Pony. I'm not proud of that. And uh, pray for my family that God can redeem uh, our playlist. Please, God. Please, God. Please, God, help us not to listen to the next so much My Little Pony next year. Please, 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 Lord. Whatever style you listen to, Okay, maybe, maybe you're a T-Swift fan, okay? You go to a T-Swift concert, you are going to sing your guts out. And you come here, maybe not at all, or at least less so. Does that have anything to do with your heart? I want to say maybe, okay? Maybe. It could be, it's just you prefer a different style. You know who doesn't sing loud at a T-Swift concert? People who don't like T-Swift, right? You might be into hip-hop. You might be into country. You might be into jazz. You might be into classical. You have a preference that you lean towards, and we engage with what we prefer. As it comes to the style of what you hear in church, and it does have a style. And by the way, the band is awesome. You guys are blessed with a really great team. I I thought it was fantastic. But this may not be your thing, all right? And I have a confession to make. I'm a musician, and me as a human being, uh, I'm not going to listen to Christian music all the time. Not because I don't like the Lord, not because of any of those things. It's just not what I like. I want to listen to like Stevie Wonder. And, you know, <laughs> I want to listen to classical music whenever I'm working. I want to listen to jazz. I want to listen to all these different kinds of things. And so if, if that's you, don't be too hard on yourself at first glance. You might just like a different style, okay? And that's okay. Now, if you don't like this style, that's not an excuse and a right for you to check out and not do Psalm 96 verse 1, sing to the Lord all the earth. No, no, no. You're still in the game. We still need you to sing to the Lord. But that's barrier number. That's a preference. Reason number one. Another preference is you might not like the song that we're singing up here. Okay, You may not be a fan. There are a couple songs I'd never heard this morning. They're great, but I'm just like catching every third word, you know. Um, so you, may not, you may not like the song, you may not know it. That could be a preference thing. 
You might not like the person leading, okay? That's worth another conversation, all right? Or maybe that person doesn't sing as good as person that you prefer, right? A lot of times we do that with preachers. Like, I like preacher A, but I don't really like preacher B so much. I think you guys know the issue with that, all right? Um, A question. Do we depend on a style, on a song, or on a person to sing to and about the Lord with one another? I need an answer. Do we? No, we don't. The expectation for a follower of Jesus is to sing to and about the Lord with one another. It really is simple. It really is that simple. Now, remember that idea of worship, that, that, that consolidated definition of worship that we gave? It's this submitting, surrendering, giving of yourself in service of what you value or revere. And I want to say that you can sing here because ultimately it's not about our preferences. Amen? It's about something entirely different. All right? We sing to and about the Lord with one another. And I want to say that there are four audiences involved whenever we do that. First is, obviously, the Lord. We sing to the Lord, all the earth. One of the first songs that we find in Scripture, sung by His people, is Exodus chapter 15. And in that, the very first, if you will, lyric of that song is, I will sing to the Lord. That is our primary audience. We sing to King Jesus. We sing to God. Does style, song, choice, person, leading, does that matter to Jesus as he receives it? I want you, I mean, I mean, really think about this. If if Jesus is hearing Worship, come in his direction. If he's hearing your singing, coming in his direction, and it's not sung well, does he go, next? <laughs> not going to be in my wrapped up in 2024. If it's not a song that he likes, oh my gosh, are we doing that song again next? No, man, he wants to hear you sing. He is so thrilled to hear his kids sing to him. Okay, we sing to the Lord. We don't only sing to the Lord. We sing with others. I want you to look at this verse, Colossians 3.16. This is a map. Man, such a great verse. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, the coolest adverb, richly. How? Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. How? Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Did you catch the words one another in that verse? That is a key component to letting the Word of Christ dwell within you richly. Not just dwelling, dwelling richly. This is about one another. Dr. Martin Lorton Jones, I want to read you this quote. It says, if you realize that, and he's talking about the sense of one another, you will realize also that what is really important is not that you are a part, but that you are a part of a whole. It is the whole that matters most and not the part. And that, again, is a way of solving all our problems. In other words, it will lead you always to consider the body and its good rather than just your own particular and personal good. Others need to hear you sing to the Lord. I have three young kids. They know that I'm musical, all right? In my office, I got a bunch of guitars and 
pianos and keyboards and stuff, so they know that I'm into that. They don't need to hear me sing. They need to hear you sing. They need to see people that are terrible at it going for it. Because you know what? They may not have a good voice as they get older. They're going to be met with those insecurities, and man, they need you. If you want to see the Word of Christ dwell richly among you, Renewal Church, you got to sing. You have to sing. When I, talk about, when I talk, talked about preferences, one of the things I said is it's not for you. Kind of lied. It, it, it is a little bit for you. It is for you. We're about to sing, I think, I'm pretty sure, we're about to sing a song that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Who am I singing to? That's self-talk. I'm talking to me. That might, that might feel weird, but I want to suggest that you all do it. <laughs> it happens, all right? I enjoy exercise, and man, when I'm, when I'm worn out, like when I'm running, and my, and my legs are like, uh-uh, we're done, you know, and my lungs are like, well, we're finished, or if I'm trying to lift something and your body's just like, nope, you tell your body, uh-uh, we're doing this. You sing to yourself. It is as if you take your own soul by the shirt collar and say, look to Jesus. When you sing, you are getting your whole being aligned with serving the Lord. So that's the reason you need to sing. It's it's for your good. It really is for your good. And then finally, there's a fourth audience, and that is people who do not yet follow Jesus. They need to hear you sing. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15b, and from my talks with your pastor, I think you guys are familiar with this, chapter. Um, Paul says, I will praise, sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. And later on in the chapter, he talks about how unbelievers will like witness these things happening. And one of the things they will do is they will say, surely God is among them. Others need to hear you sing. It is a compelling and riveting witness to the truth of the gospel when we sing with all of our hearts. I want to refer to uh, Tim Keller again. He says this, God wants the world to overhear us worshiping Him. God directs His people not to simply worship, but to sing His praises before the nations. We're not simply to communicate the gospel to them, but get this, to celebrate the gospel, which means good news before them. Do you believe that the good news is good? good news? Or is the way that you sing as if it's just news? Sing like it's good news. People notice. People notice. When you invite a non-believing friend to church with you, you probably hope that whoever is preaching that day can present the gospel in a way that can be heard, in a way that's compelling, in a way that's easy to understand. That's a good thing to hope for. But I want to suggest, church, that you can do the same. I want to suggest that you can present the gospel in a way that can be heard, felt, experienced. And you can do so with the conviction and testimony that the living God is alive and well in you. Um, A former professor at uh, Wheaton Seminary said this, Harold Best He said, a congregation is just as responsible to sing the gospel as preachers are to preach it. 
I need you. Your church needs you, Renewal, to sing. So, when it comes to style, song, people, would you please remember who and what this is really about? Okay? Song, you may not like it. Could be, you know, if it's not true, that's a good reason to not like it. If it's true about the Lord, let's check that. The person may not be your fave, all right? Style may not be what you would choose. But man, we do this for Jesus. We do this for Jesus. So let us acknowledge our preferences and put them in service to Jesus and others. May our greatest preference be to make much of Jesus, to love our neighbor, that we might not get so hung up on what we want. Amen? Okay. A sign of a maturing follower of Jesus is a readiness. A readiness to praise. A readiness to worship. A readiness to sing. To say, hey, you give me whatever. I'm ready. To, let's go. Let's go. I, I, can't, I tell you who God is and what he's done for me. Let's go. May that be true of us. Second barrier I want to talk about is this idea of safety. All right? Why we may not sing might have to do with a sense of safety. You might sing in your car. You might sing in your shower. Any of you those people? Okay. Uh, of course, the quiet part would be get the hand raised like that. I'm the person. You might sing in an environment where it's loud. Again, the concert. Because you have a lot of people with a shared affinity. All right? The music's jamming. It's, oh, it's fun. It's, it's something easy to join into. And I hope the church can reclaim certain aspects of that. Right? You might uh, sing whenever there's low expectations. Right? Like, like a birthday. Happy birthday to you. I'm not going to get in trouble. No one's going to be like, did you hear him sing happy birthday? I mean, he was like six semitones off the whole song. No one says that. There's no expectations whenever we're doing something like that. But you might come into a room like this and feel exposed. I met Michelle, who, sang in front of, who sat in front of me. I know. Yes, you. Uh, she sat right in front of me. No, I'm not going to call you out. She, I'm just going to say that she was my captive audience for 20 minutes. You know, she had to listen to my voice in the back of her head for 20 straight minutes. And you may or may not be aware, but I mean, maybe I just made you aware that people can hear you sing. <laughs> but you have a captive audience and your, your voice is exposed when you sing. I'm sure you sang great. I'm sure it's wonderful. I wasn't sitting in front of you. I'm sure your voice is awesome. But she had to listen to me holler for 20 straight minutes, right? It can feel exposed. It can feel exposing here. But I want to say that you can still sing. And I want to tell you why. Our singing loudly, it encourages others. And an unsafe and ideal environment is, in fact, fertile ground for transformation to happen. I want to give you two examples real quick. First comes from Acts 16, Paul and Silas. You might be familiar with this story. Some background, you have Paul and Silas. They're spreading the gospel. They're in this Macedonian city of Philippi, not a Jewish place. They're preaching the gospel. People are coming to faith. They cast out a demon. I've never done that before that I know of. I mean, that's cool, all right? They're fleeing, or freeing a slave girl from exploitation. Awesome. And because of that, they go through this sort of citizen's arrest where they're dragged through the city. They're brought to the authorities. That's embarrassing and exposing. Um, they're stripped, all right? They're publicly beaten. So just imagine they look like they've been in a car accident. 
and then they get put in prison, feet shackled. That's the environment. That's the setting. By the way, their leader, Jesus, had just been executed (laughs) recently. A lot of their friends doing the same thing, also executed. They're pretty uncertain about what lies ahead. They're not a people with like power, right? They're a powerless people. So what do they do? At midnight, no less. Acts 16, 25. Read this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And catch this. The prisoners were listening to them. Wow. Why do you think they were listening? Why not sleeping? Because they're singing. (laughs) They can't sleep. Because Paul and Silas have something to sing about. They can be heard. It's the most unsafe scenario, and they're going for broke. And you know how that story goes, right? There's an earthquake that happens. Their bonds are loosed. Eventually, a soldier comes in, and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You can sing in an uncomfortable circumstance. Paul and Silas can, and it was transformative. Right? Another example, King Jesus. Man, Jesus is the coolest Right before he's crucified, he's in the upper room, the Last Supper. And get the context of this meal, right? It doesn't happen, I think, maybe how Jesus would have wanted things to have happened. You see your disciples bickering over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? I bet that was annoying. He goes through this really heavy moment where he takes a Passover meal and and identifies himself with that. Just imagine what an intense moment that must have been. He just saw his friend a guy that he had poured his life into for the last three years, stand up and walk out the room, and you know what he's going to do. He's going to go portray Jesus. I mean, put yourself in Jesus. He is fully God. He's also fully man, all right? Imagine how that must have felt for King Jesus to watch his friend walk out the door, knowing he's going to be betrayed, and also he's going to lose his life. He's going to take his own life. What happens? Oh, yeah, by the way, he's about to leave that room and be arrested. He's about to be severed from the fellowship with the Father. I mean, all these wild things are going to happen. And what does Jesus do? Mark um, 14, 26 says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. I don't know about you, but if 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 I was in that scenario, I'd have been like, can we skip this part? I really don't feel like singing right now. I mean, I just got to watch my friends just act like idiots. One of them's going to betray me. I'm about to be crucified. I don't feel like singing right now. Can we just go to the next thing? Your Savior sang in the most uncomfortable, unsafe circumstance. Would you marvel at him? You ever wondered what he's saying? Most scholars um, and theologians believe that he sang one of the Hallel Psalms, which we find in Psalm 113 through 118. If, it's a really high chance that they sang that at the end of Passover. If he sang that, check out these lyrics. Psalm 118, verse 22. Think of Jesus not saying this like you and I would. Think of him singing this. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. I'd get choked up. I, I couldn't sing that. Jesus saying that. This is the day that the Lord has made. <laughs> Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I couldn't sing that. 
I would have been like, are you kidding me? Jesus sang that. Your Savior sang that. Isn't he marvelous? Wow. Jesus sang in the worst of circumstances, and he did that to free you up, to sing with joy to the Lord. If you want to be like Jesus, sing when it doesn't feel safe. It's a great opportunity to become more like Jesus. Follower of Jesus, you must sing. Let's sing to and about the Lord. And the last barrier I want to look at here is maybe just this idea of an ROI. That it's not worth the investment that you put in. It's not worthwhile. You might be a person who says, I don't get much out of it. All right? And I get that. I get that. Especially if you're not like all about it. I get that. Okay? Um, just some common wisdom when it comes to ROI. How many investments have you made that have instant return? I don't have any. I'd love to know if you do. I'd, I want to get in on that. But that's, that's not the case for most of us. I mean, if you're going to invest, whether that be money or time or effort, it takes time. All right? Um, <laughs> yeah. I want you to remember that it's not for you, too, by the way, when it comes to whether it's worthwhile or not. Um, one of the things, my least favorite chore in the house is doing dishes. I hate the feeling of wet food. It just grosses me out. Oh, real, oh I have a texture thing. It just... Oh, oh. Um, and my wife is awesome. She does that more often than I do, but I try to do the dishes, and I don't feel the return. <laughs> you know, like, why am I doing this? But I know it's helpful. And remember that definition of, of worship. We do this in service for someone else. Okay? So when we sing, you ought, we've already talked about how it serves other people. Would you consider it is worthwhile? It is worthwhile. You might say, is from an ROI perspective, well, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it. Maybe you have a voice like my friend Harmon that I talked about earlier. You might be saying, Ben, you don't want to hear me sing. As a, as a person who is a worship pastor, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. You don't want to hear me sing. You don't want to hear me sing. No, quite the contrary. I absolutely want to hear you sing. In fact, more so than people who can and love it. I need to hear you sing. I want to hear you sing. I want to hear a redeemed saint do something they know is uncomfortable and they know they're not good at because the good news is good news to them. And they're acting like it. I want to hear you sing. doesn't matter if you're not good at it. Go for it. And church, as you, <laughs> we've been attending a place together on a Saturday evenings, and so we were, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was singing, or I, we were in a time of singing, and I hear this guy, and again, it reminded me of Harmon, it was so bad, uh, but this guy was just going for it, and <laughs> thank you, Lord, for working in my heart. Um, I, was just, it, I just smiled, just so encouraged by his singing. It's like, he doesn't care. He is going for Jesus. And that needs to encourage me to do the same thing. Um, church, as you see people exercising this muscle, would you give grace? All right? If there's someone in here who's like, I'm not good at it, but I'm going to try, that person might sit next to you next week. All right? Would you give them grace, please? All right? Okay. Another thing about not being good at it, how many times did Jesus send his disciples to do things they were naturally good at? <laughs> not often. That isn't to discount the things that he's skilled you, given you skills and talents in. God can use those. But if you're not good at it, you're an excellent 
candidate for God to display his power through your weakness. Go ahead and sing. Go ahead and sing. Or, oh man, last reason for the ROI, you might be the person that says, I get it, but I just don't like it. I don't like singing. I don't sing happy birthday. I don't sing, uh, I'm out. I don't like it. I will just pray for you. (laughs) I'm I'm kind of playing. Um, To be honest, that call, worship the Lord, all the earth, it might always be a sacrifice for you. It might always be a way that you worship, but it is a way to worship. Um, (laughs) The chore that my wife does that she doesn't like is laundry. Amen? Anybody? Amen. Yes. And it just never, I see a hand. It never stops. Um, I want to encourage you, um, one day he will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or laundry. (laughs) That day will come to the end. Jesus, come quickly. But that's something that we do in service of others. I'm so thankful for my wife and how she serves our family in that way. Go and make disciples is not just for extroverts. Prayer is not just for the pious. No, it's for all of us. And sing to the Lord, all the earth is for all the earth. Follower of Jesus, you must sing. Can I give you three applications and we'll be done? Okay, here's some three things to do. How can we do this? Say, I'm, I'm kind of in, but I need some help. Give me three verbs. You betcha. First one, consider. Consider. Would you consider that this is not a sprint, it's a marathon? Would you consider that this is a part of your spiritual discipline? If, if you're good at running but not good at this thing, if I want to sign up for a marathon tomorrow, it's not going to go well tomorrow, right? It's, it's going to take a lot of time. So would you consider that you've got a lot of runway to practice this? It's okay. Give yourself grace. Give each other grace, and let's exercise that spiritual muscle. Consider that. Next, remember. We've talked about this. Remember who this is for, church. You have, by the way, also remember that you have the Holy Spirit residing inside of you. That is like, oh man, that is, that's the trump card of all trump cards. If you're not good at something or if your heart is fighting against it, you have the Holy Spirit that you can say, God, man, God, change, change, change me, help. He's not asking you to follow him all by yourself. Never, ever, 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 ever. He is the helper. He is with you. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And he's also at work in a trillion ways. Just think that even as you stink at it, he's working. He doesn't have this like finished version. I finally got it. Now my church can be edified. No, it doesn't work. He's working now. He's working now in ways that you cannot even fathom. You can start, you can start now. And finally, last thing, practice. Just practice. It's okay to stink. This should be a kind of a, a sort of laboratory for us, right? A way to practice these things and exercise these things. You can grow better at that. Would you consider that? You can go better. A, a good way to practice, just a real practical thing, if you're not good at it, if you, if you can recognize in yourself that I, I stink at this, I, I need to grow in courage, maybe find someone here who is very courageous in it and say, can I come and sit with you? For the next couple of weeks, I mean, would that, would that bug you if I just came and sit next to you? Because I see that you have no problem singing with gusto, and I, I just don't have a lot of courage right now. Would you help me? By the way, that humbling of yourself, that is a form of worship, by the way. Okay? 
Humble yourself. Would you ask for help? That's okay. That's okay. Another thing to do is just pray. Whenever you come in here in the morning, would you pray? God, here, I'm, here we go. Here we go. The first thing that's going to happen is we're going to sing together. God, help me. <laughs> I want to honor you. I want to encourage my church. I want to bear witness to who you are and what you've done. Lord, help me in singing. Would you pray that? Okay. Uh, I want to give you a quote by my second favorite Wesley brother. And then we'll close. He says this to encourage us. Sing lustily and with good courage. Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep, but lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, no more ashamed of its being heard than when you sung the songs of Satan. I don't know when I sing the songs of Satan. I just sing music. Maybe you sing the songs of Satan. I don't know. Sing with gusto, man. That's going to make a huge difference to an unbelieving world and a watching world. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Be set free today, church, to sing to the Lord. Amen? Let me pray for us, and we'll sing. Living God, At zero points in our lives do we need to move beyond the fact that the good news is good news. It's never to be old news. It's the best news in the universe. No one compares to it. It wins a million percent of the time. God, I pray that as you call us to love you with our whole being, to serve our neighbor God, I pray that one of the many, 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 many ways in which we follow you, Jesus, is to open our mouths and declare the excellencies, the gloriousness, the beauty, the wonder of who you are and what you've done. And God, I pray for the friends of mine in this room that that is just the, man, I couldn't have asked them to do a harder thing. Like they will serve uh, uh, sun up to sundown, no question, zero complaints. They'll be generous, zero complaints. They'll serve uh, puking toddlers every week, zero complaints. But that's just a, a sticking point for them. God, would you remind us that you are a God that Zephaniah says sings over us. That King Jesus, you came and you sang, I'm just so amazed that you sat on the cross and you sang Psalm 22. You sang that song, Why Have You Forsaken Me? Jesus, you did that. As Paul would pray, open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Fill us with marvel. Fill us with wonder. And I pray that the overflowing thing would be, yeah, I'm going to use the word worship. Let our worship be consistent in our singing, God. For your glory, God, and for our good, we ask in Christ's name, And all God's people said, amen. Let's sing.